and welcome to 256 Daily, the show that brings you up to speed with all things that went down in daily print newspaper. Don't miss exclusive commentaries from our seasoned analysts as they break down the headlines in current affairs, politics, business, and all things making round in mainstream media. Available only on Cool Bar Podcast via Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and every podcast platform. The 256 Daily. Start your day and stay in the know. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the 256 Daily. This is the show where we give you a summary of what's making grounds in daily print newspapers. And in today's episode, I'm going to start with a daily monitor. Daily monitor has a cover page story here, which reads airport boss arrested over 70 posters. And they also have another story here running MP Macho's bodyguard shot dead. And in their business roundup, they talk about government negotiating a $2 billion loan to Build the standard gauge railway as revealed by the Uganda Railways Corporation. So $2 billion uh, comes into about 7.4 trillion shillings. And they also cover Motive Creations, which is a business hub that will promote innovations. In the international roundup, they talk about Addis Ababa, the situation in Ethiopia, where rockets hit Eritrea's Asmara. This is the capital city of Eritrea. And they also cover another story here, which says UN and African Union are withdrawing peacekeeping troops from Sudan. So starting with a cover page story here uh, which reads airport boss arrested over Museveni posters. So this is a story where a France Musimenta Mbagaya the CAA human resource director was picked up by SFC officers on Wednesday and this followed uh, a scenario where different people within the CAA were complaining about Museveni posters being plastered all over the offices. As you know by law uh, public offices should should not be engaged actively in partisan politics. However, this was an exception for President Museveni's posters to be plastered on the CAA offices such that anyone who walks into the country can clearly see who is in charge. Okay, how convenient. And uh, following this, she took the complaints of the employees and following the law, she took down the posters and trashed them. So when she trashed them, uh, the SFC, this is the Special Forces Command, which is headed by Museveni's son. So as you can see, the family keeps everything within clothes. So um, Seveni's son uh, heads the SFC and it picked her up and took her to the aviation police post where she was interrogated by Commander Boaz Katuzeo. She was later arraigned in court on Friday and she was sent to be remanded at Chigo prison. However, on reaching Chigo prison, they complained that they didn't have space so they had to take her back to aviation police where she's still being remanded. So when they tried to get a statement from the CAA spokesperson Viani Luja he declined to comment on the matter and said this is still in the courts of law going on here we have another story which reads MP Macho's bodyguard shot dead so this is a very tragic death of the bodyguard of MP Godfrey Macho who is the MP for Musia municipality so the officer shot down was assigned under the VIPPU guard unit and his name is Ivan Kakai so he was shot down by assailants in Sophia B village at a local church in the parking lot while keeping guard. So the story unfolded as Godfrey Macho revealed that when his bodyguard was shot, he moved out of the vehicle and tried to crawl towards the church and then was later shot by the police. So there is quite
quite a lot of controversy surrounding this story and it will be developing as we get to the bottom of it. But what happened is actually Godfrey Macho confessed that before they went to the church, they saw some motorcycles which were trailing them. And also witnesses who showed, who, witnesses who saw the shooting also uh, say that they saw a couple of gentlemen who came on a motorcycle wearing black jackets and they opened the vehicle where the bodyguard was seated and they shot at him. So when he tried to crawl towards the church, I think to seek for help or something like that, he was really bleeding heavily. They continued to shoot and the police joined and shot him down. So he was shot dead. May his soul rest in peace. But as you can see during campaigning period, there is a lot of insecurity surrounding politicians. And if you all remember how uh, Abiriga was shot down, all these cases never get solved. So if Museveni really boasts how he brought about security, but he cannot have a police that solves murders, then there is a lot to question about Uganda's state of security. And you should all remember that Uganda ranked the highest country with the highest per capita murders within the East African region. So Rwanda uh, ranked the safest country and Uganda is the least safe country in East African region with the highest murders per capita. So going on uh, within the business uh, segment, government negotiating $2 billion. This is about 7.4 trillion shillings. And this is a loan that they want to secure from the Exim Bank of China to be able to build the standard gauge railway from Malaba to Kampala. So the director of Uganda Railways Corporation, that would be Stanley Sendegea, revealed that the government will be able to secure this loan from Exim Bank of China to kickstart the project before the end of next year or actually midway 2021. So the line is expected to run from Malaba to Kampala and it was dependent on Kenya finishing their Nairobi, Naivasha and Chisumu to Malaba lines but this has not been completed yet although uh, Sendegea goes on to reveal that they will not be waiting for Nairobi, they will proceed to build and Nairobi will find them on the way. So the feasibility studies were undertaken in 2014 and in 2014 Kenya built their 487 kilometer line from Mombasa to Nairobi with Uganda having nothing yet to show. So Kenya got 3.8 billion dollars for its Mombasa to Nairobi line from Exim Bank of China and it also secured an additional 1.5 billion to build the line from Nairobi to Naivasha. So this line from Nairobi to, Naiba to Naivasha uh, goes for a distance of 120 kilometers but they were frustrated by plans to get an additional 3.6 billion to build the remaining part of Naivasha to Chisumu and then Chisumu to Malaba. So this is the this is what they are experiencing right now. The frustration is believed to have uh, been exacerbated in April when the pandemic hit. So China, as you all know, is a very predatory lending partner. So they are trying to build their Belt and Road Initiative. And with this, they make sure that the Chinese firms get the contracts and Chinese workers get all the labor. So you as a country giving them business for this infrastructure project, you don't really have much to gain except for them making sure that they put their manpower to work and actually making sure that they try to extend their Belt and Road Initiative to bring Chinese exports to the different markets within the world. So this is kind of a two-sided kind of uh, double-edged sword. Uh, you might want to get a piece of infrastructure, but the terms and conditions are so much in favor of China with you, the country taking on this project, having little to gain. But we shall see how this story develops when construction actually kicks off next year as promised. And we also have another story here which says Motive Creations Hub to promote innovation. So this is an innovation hub, as you 
all know there have been quite a lot of innovation hubs in the tech industry, but this one in particular is focused on hands-on hands-on skills. So things to do with tailoring, wood workshops and metal fabrication, handicrafts. This is what this uh, innovation space is going to be focused on. So Japeth Kawanguzi, who is the brains behind this uh, innovation space, said that the skills development and mentorship programs for entrepreneurs are going to be at the forefront of the program for this. And uh, they say that it is mainly associated with woodworks, metal fabrications and handicrafts as opposed to technology simply because this is based on the hands-on skills and not really the soft skills of the tech industry. So going on we have uh, the challenges which they are facing are mostly inability to produce on large scale due to limited capital that they are not able to access. So it is believed that this kind of handicraft and hands-on approach uh, employs about 30 million people globally and most of them are within the age brackets of 15 to 19. So this will be kind of a solution to unemployment and it will help youngsters to come and tap into their skills uh, to be able to have an access to different mentorship programs and rubbing shoulders with entrepreneurs who can support them, take off their skills and build viable projects within this innovation space. And on the international scene, we shall go to Addis Ababa where the rockets hit Eritrea's capital Asmara. So this story started developing when Ahmed Abi, the Prime Minister of Ethiopia launched an attack against the TPLF in the Tigray region. Uh, so the TPLF is the Tigray People's Liberation Front and this is an army that is fighting against the Federal Republic of Ethiopia. So Ethiopia's politics is really tribalistically divided and they run a federal government which is zeroed down on the different tribal groups and monarchies. So uh, Ahmed Abe actually got a Nobel Peace Prize in 2019 but all this is being tarnished by the current situation where he unleashed the, mini the military to stop the Tigray forces. So this followed uh, the cancellation of elections which were supposed to be held in September but they were they were postponed due to the pandemic. However, the Tigray people decided to hold the elections amid the pandemic, which was in contrast with the federal government of Ethiopia. So this sparked off a conflict. And since the conflict started, uh, about 20,000 people from Ethiopia have been displaced to nearby Sudan. So this is the situation in Ethiopia. Uh, we pray that everything comes to cool and the fighting will soon cease. So uh, we also have another story here on the international scene where the UN and AU, that would be the United Nations and African Union, they are withdrawing peacekeeping troops from Sudan and these troops uh, will be, will, these troops will start exiting in December, uh, specifically the 31st of December and it will take a period of about six months as announced by UN and AU Secretary Generals Antonio Gutierrez and Mo Safaki. So that's all I had for you for today's edition of the 256 Daily. Have yourself a wonderful week ahead and bye-bye. I'm your host Derek. Get all the coolest content from Kuba. Find all content ranging from politics, technology, sports, entertainment, religion, and much more. Like our Facebook page, Kuba. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Kuba. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Kuba Media. Download our podcast and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget it's Kuba with a K and no spaces. Kuba, informative, captivating, and engaging.